0: Hello, um, I'm Cavan Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat.
1: Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm incredibly pleased to announce that I'm speaking with the one and only Cavan Scott. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Kevin Scott's works, then shame on you. He has worked on Doctor Who, a lot of audio dramas a few years back. He is one of the architects of the Star Wars The High Republic. He has also done stuff for Transformers and Pacific Rim, even a Phantom of the Opera comic adaptation, as well as a lot of his own creations or own IPs, including The Ward and also Shadow Service. So in short, the guy has done a lot of stuff and he was kind enough to let me have an hour of his time to sit down and just ask him about his life and about shadow service and obviously Star Wars. So it's a really, really fun conversation. Now, I don't want to waffle on here too much, because obviously you guys just want to get into the conversation with Cavan, but a couple of things before we do. There's going to be a video version of this uploaded to the YouTube channel of Genuine Chit Chat. There should be a link to it in the description, so you can see mine and Cavan's wonderful faces. And in addition to that, if you have not tuned into Genuine Chit Chat before, or if you're a relatively new listener, you may not know that I spoke with Claudia Gray, who is one of Cavan's fellow Star Wars The High Republic architects. I spoke with Claudia Gray in December of 2020, so you can listen to that conversation on YouTube, or whatever you're listening to this right now you should just be able to either scroll back or just type in Claudia Gray genuine chit chat and it will come up. I've had loads of other Star Wars conversations including one with Paolo Villanelli who is a Star Wars comic book artist so I spoke with him a few months back as well but you know once again just type in Paolo Villanelli into whatever you're listening to this and genuine chit chat and it will come up but that is going to be it for me guys at the moment so I'm going to let the whole chat get running and then at the end of it I'll come back to tell you guys some more information on what's coming up and those sorts of things so Thank you, as always, for listening. I appreciate you all, and I'm so glad to present to you, Kevin Scott. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I am here today with one of the most important authors in Star Wars at the moment, I would say, as well as he's got his hands in a hundred other things, all of which that I've consumed are amazing. So I welcome Kevin Scott. Kevin, how are you doing today, sir?
0: I'm doing very well. It's been a a long day of meetings today. And so if I'm a little bit frazzled, that's why. But you probably probably means you'll get a good interview out of me because I've got no filter now. So, you know, (laughs) I'll probably just say anything, which means that Disney lawyers are probably now circling as we speak.
1: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I already had all my questions approved by Disney Lucasfilm, Mm. so I'm not allowed to just throw one out. And I'm sure if I said to you, hey, Kevin, what are you and the other High Republic authors talking about the summit you did? Just ruined the whole of phase three for me. Let's just do that years before even, well it's even six months before phase two even comes out, so mm. you would get into a lot of trouble, and I know not I to ask those sort of questions, so I won't <laughs> put you in that position. And um, Before we get into Star Wars and those sort of things, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you sort of, what is it a day in the life of Kevin scott in essence like obviously you're a writer and you write you know audio dramas as well as books and comics and i know there's a few screenplays going on in the background Mm -hmm. as well so like what is of your like do you work every day including the weekends just run us through as far as you can say what your kind of process is from getting up and doing work in essence
0: i try try only to work the weekdays um and there was a point where I was working every hour, God sent, and a few he didn't. And um, you know, that way burnout lay. So um, and I think around the time the beginner I've talked about this publicly, around the time the beginning of the High Republic, there was so much going on that I did pretty much burn out. But um so now I know the signs of when that's coming. And so, yeah, I try and keep the weekends free. It doesn't always work. I ended up working on things this weekend. Um, And I try to at least by nine o'clock in the evening to stop work. The difficulty is that most of the people I work with are in the States. Mm. Very few people I work with in the UK, even though that's where I'm based. So a lot of the time where I'm finishing work for the day, everyone's waking up and going, hey, Cav, talk. Um, And so, but I sort of try to say that at least by nine o'clock, I've stopped. Um, It's the constant thing of working from home you know everything blurs into each other but yeah so so largely that's what i try to do um a lot of the time outside of that i'm reading material connected to whatever i'm working on as well or watching material as well um but i try i am one of those people that try to sit at my desk by 9 30 and work through till six and um you know breaking for lunch and all that those things that you're supposed to do. But it is my do- it is my job. And so I try to be sitting here in this chair. That's why it's a very comfortable chair, um, and and get the work done. Um and so I'm very strict at setting myself deadlines. Um within my deadlines I'm very strict for saying um I have to hit so many words today, so many pages today. Um and I am a when I, mean, I used to be a magazine editor so I naturally schedule things um my wife was our production manager on the magazines i was working for so you know between the two of us we have that sort of production background um and so my I, my calendar is you know like when they say um on air traffic controller they're pushing tin they're moving planes around um that's what my calendar feels like so i know pretty much what i've got to do on every day and i try and leave leave some space so if things happen i can then move it around and so the beginning of every day is pretty much doing that um and then trying not to look at email till the afternoon because most of the email i get is in the afternoon anyway and that's email is always what what derails you and stops you doing what you should actually be doing that day so yeah I, i try and go for a walk every morning, drink copious amounts of coffee, which I probably shouldn't drink as much as I do, and then sit down um, and just get into the writing, whatever I've got to write that day to get into that that writing. Mm,
1: yeah i'm always intrigued to hear other people's uh sort of how they how they do their work and things because i spoke to paolo villanelli um a short while mm-hmm. ago it was obviously an artist in the star wars realm of comics and he had something similar he's like when i started i was so enthusiastic about the work and i took on a billion things so i was just like mm-hmm. working every waking second and he was like yeah you just you just burn out Um so in yeah. line with that um, sort of how much can you tell me about not these specifics but like how far ahead are you from release because i know obviously at the moment um well, very recently, you went to the States and did another yeah. summit for the High Republic stuff, but that was phase three, because phase two is coming out shortly. So I know you've also got things like the ward and shadow service. And I saw Phantom of the Opera, I think, pop up in your screen, in your newsletter as well, that you're mm. doing a comic adaptation of that. So not with the specifics of, you know, I don't want you spoiling anything that's coming out. But mm. how far ahead are you with your sort of writing to release? I assume it's slightly different per project.
0: It's absolutely different. So, um, I mean, Phantom was a good example because of delays. I mean, I wrote Phantom four years ago, and it came out end of last year, beginning of this. Um, so that was, but then, you know, there was pandemics and things in the middle of that one, and that was a graphic novel that was supposed to be sold in theatres, and then there were no theatres. Um, so, yeah, it depends. I mean, so we're currently working on the beginning of, Star Wars The Hierophant Phase 2 for Marvel, which comes out in October. And so that gives you an idea. There's another creator-owned comic I'm working on that hasn't been announced yet, which is launching probably around December. And um, issue one's written, and we, we started working out on that. So all good products. You try and at least get some time you know, in between. Um, so you've got room to manoeuvre. Um, and then there's some books I'm working on which have a really long gestation period. Um, so yeah, it does depend on on the project but usually it's anything up to sort of like six months and beyond um Mm. from when you finish when you down tools on it comics are different because comics can be right up to the wire depending on what's going on so sometimes i've written comics and they're out within what seems like a month um and other times i've written something that's not out for two years or, or whatever so um so yeah it really does depend on on the project
1: Mm, yeah i can imagine i think i heard when um on one of the other interviews that you did um it might have been speaking about either ward or shadow service Mm -hmm. one of those things i think you started doing in like 2018 and then once again it's not everything you've been involved with recently has been delayed because of this Mm -hmm. little pandemic that we've
0: had yeah the ward so so the ward was absolutely that so the ward i mean i've been pitching the ward for donkey's years and i went back and looked and you know i stuck i think i first started throwing that idea around sort of 2012 and sometimes that's how long it takes for someone do you know, i think it went through a publisher and then that publisher said no and they went to another publisher and then it's, it's found its home at dark horse and so yeah i mean these things do take time but yeah the the pandemic did change everything i mean it changed the high republic because we we had that six month period um when it was pushed back but we'd already done a lot of the work and so actually we ended up just doing more um and there was a little bit of fine-tuning but we didn't really have tune a lot of it because it had already gone past that point of course. um and yeah the pandemic did put a lot of things on hold one thing that actually was great was shadow service which was the creator i was doing with vault comics um we were due to launch um that summer the first summer of, the, of pandemic and they just went let's do it let's keep going and when we didn't really know if there was going to be comic shops we didn't know anything um but Vault said, "Let's just keep going with the plan." I think we—it was a couple of months delay. But yeah. um, other than that, yeah, I mean, launching a comic in the middle of a pandemic when there's no conventions and how you know shops were struggling, it was hard. But yeah, we did it, um, and that's coming back um, this month now. Actually, for for its its next run. Um, so yeah, it, it, that has absolutely added time. Um, Usually, the more the time you've got, the better, really. So, you know, so you're not rushing, but sometimes things happen and you do. You usually have a... You do the work, then there's a bit of a lull, and then there's a mad panic at the end. That shouldn't be a mad panic, because you all know it's coming, but it's like, oh, God... Because you've also... In your brain, you've gone, I've done that, and then you have to sort of remember how to do press for things, because you're like, well, I can't remember what was in that story, because I've written three more since then. (laughs) Um, And so you do live in this weird time warp. So the summit you were talking about... We were in Florida. We've not been together as as the five of us since the launch in February um, 2020. Um, And we were discussing the very end of of phase three, which we we knew what was happening in in the end of phase three, but we wanted to reflect on what we've done so far, see what's changed, see what's been, uh, what's evolved along the way, stress test that end, make sure it still worked. And it did, thank heavens. Um, And work out if there's anything else we want to do to get there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that stuff, we're talking years mm-hmm. to come, you know. So, um, and it's stories that we won't write until a long time, but um, it's the beginning of that process. I mean, yeah, High Republic itself was 2018. We started talking about it. And so it's a bit weird now that we're the, we've are we gone past the end of phase one, you know, because for a long time, that's all we wanted to do was get to phase one. And now we're, you know, well on the way to phase two. And so, yeah, it's, you're constantly playing this weird time warp. Um, And then when you do multiple projects, you haven't got a hope of trying to work out when it is. This is why I write everything down, because otherwise my brain would just explode or implode one of them. (laughs)
1: both at the same time do a nice yes. paradox there <laughs> create yeah. a whole new universe <laughs> it is one of those funny things i mean I, i'm a massive note taker myself i've got four mm. notebooks around me and I, i've just got two podcasts so compared to mm. have to actually you know write cohesive fiction and especially when so many of it is adaptations and as you say you know you're so many cycles ahead it's like you're doing mm. press for something where you can't say what you're working on at the moment because it will spoil the thing that's just been released so that yep. must be a maddening in a lot of ways but i want to speak about shadow service um mm. which i thought was absolutely fantastic i will confess oh, i am i read it and it was one of those things where you know i loved oh, i love your high republic work and your other star wars work Tales of Vader's castle those sort of things and so i i'd had hopes that it would be great but obviously when it's a new ip it's always one of those things like how is this gonna grab yeah. you and what i think i loved i've written so many notes about it but i thought There are so many brilliant ideas within Shadow Service, and it's really fun. And I think that Mm. you and also uh, the artist who is Corin, uh, yeah, I had the name written down, Corin Howell, uh, just to make sure. But, like, I know that you've spoken about prior with sort of the collaborative effort and things. And Mm. I just thought you could tell us a little bit from your perspective about Shadow Service and how freeing it must be to do... Uh, an independent or uh, a creator owned project you know mm. with vault comics and things where although i'm sure and i know from what you've said before writing star wars is fun but because you've got so much weight behind it you've got story mm. group you've obviously with the high republic it's a collaborative effort whereas with shadow service, it's kind of the opposite it's, yeah you and coroner the collaborators but yeah you're at the top so i thought you could tell us a little bit about shadow service and what the experience was of being able to write something like that
0: yeah, I mean, so one of the things I'm so glad you said fun because one of the things we we said for Shadow Service, it, we wanted it to be the equivalent of going to see a Mission Impossible film. You know, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be that it was supposed to be a good time. Now that doesn't mean there's not going to be you know heartache along the way and you know and drama and all everything you expect. But yeah, it it, it want, We wanted to tap into those things when you go and see a bomb movie and you go and see a Mission, a mission Impossible film. Um, a born movie where you know you're going you're going in for a good time. Um and along the way, yeah, you want to surprise people within that. Um, but that was absolutely part of the brief for uh, we gave ourselves for Shadow Service. Um and it seems to have worked, and it seemed I think that's why it's chimed with people. And it was it was supposed to be complete and utter escapism at a time where I think we all needed it, which I think is actually why it worked um and why it's continuing to work. Um but yeah, I think first of all, when I first started working on it, and I, I've done some creator owned stuff before, but this was my first sort of major creator owned book. Um, I suddenly realized that there was no one else I had to check with about doing anything other than Corin. Um, you know, and we had editors, we had Tayo and, and Adrian, and they they were there to guide rather than dictate, um, in a way that perhaps sometimes when you're working in licensed thing um, things, I'm not saying that those editors are Tyrants, but they sometimes have to make you draw the line because you're working within parameters, and, mm-hmm. so, and there's no pushing those parameters. Um, one of the interesting things with shallow surfaces is realizing that we had to put parameters in because otherwise it would be like nonsense. It would just go <laughs> everywhere, and back. there'd be no there'd be no cohesive structure. And so, I think that's one of the the fun things when you're starting one of these projects is you work out where the guardrails are, where you know where are the boundaries. Um, and then just like you do on a license problem, you try and work out, how can I push against those, you know, and where can I take it and, and where will people expect those guide rails to tell you, take you and how can you bust, bust them out? Um, so yeah, it's a very different experience. Um, it's a little bit scarier as well, because the same thing you just said, it's a new IP. So I was asking people to come with me on this journey. Without the weight of forty years of Star Wars or fifty years of Doctor Who or whatever else I've been working on for the last few years, so yeah, I had to make sure that we delivered um, because there will always be people who don't like something, and I think, and I, I say repeatedly, that's what right and proper, and that's how the world should be. Um, not everyone can like everything, but you have to, you have to hope and try and work it to a way that a great number of people will like it. So you can keep making those stories. Um, And we have thankfully sort of seemed to tapped into something with shadow service. And so I said, we're coming back this month. Um, But yeah, it's terrifying in a different kind of terror. When you write to something like star Wars, the terror is especially for me. And it was the same when I was writing doctor who, that both those franchises are so important to me and have been such part of my fandom that I feel the weight of, Timothy Thorne Timothy novels, hang, you know, uh, weighing down on me because I know what they meant to me. Um, and that and not just Tim stuff, but all of that, all of that vast, you know, library of material, whether it's the the EU or whether it's the new canon, I I feel that weight and that responsibility all the time. And when I was working on Doctor Who, it was exactly the same, right? All the stories, all the comics, the audios and you know, whatever, it was because I know how important it was to me, I know how important it is to other people. So you feel that weight. Um, It's obviously a very different feeling when you're launching your own thing because the weight is that you want it to work so you can carry on telling those stories uh, and you want people to connect to it. Um, And you're putting yourself out there in a way that's probably a little bit more, makes you look more vulnerable than you are if you're working within something like Star Wars. So it's, um, the emotions is very similar, but they're just, you're coming at them from a different angle.
1: Mm, yeah it's a very interesting way of putting it and uh, so sti- sticking with uh shadow service as well i want to ask you some of the ideas that you um use in it which i think are excellent the main idea that i think is just i don't know if you took this from somewhere else but if you haven't i want to just give you full kudos because this is a genius idea magic insomnia like that yeah. did you create that or do, at least do you think you created that just in case
0: as, it's not appeared somewhere else <laughs> as far as i know i've created that um, such a good idea so yeah, and it's something. I mean, now uh, when we return to Shadow Service, um, Gina, the main character, is now very much ingrained in the in MI six six six, and so they have ways and means of of helping her avoid that situation. Mm. So, but it's that classic thing of magic has a cost, and you know, and when you're building a, you can't just be magic can do anything because then there's no drama. So you have to have moments where. There is a cost for the individual. So there's an there is without spoilers, there's a, a sequence in Shadow service where Gina goes on the run and she's having to use loads of really powerful magic to keep them going, which means she's knackered and which means her magic isn't working so well. And so it's like a vicious cycle. So the idea of Gina, if she casts a spell, she won't sleep for a week afterwards. Um and she has through years of coughing what, you know, we would call potions in other forms of magic, which are like smoothies for her. Um, she keeps in, in her, her there's a, a scene that I had to cut out when you actually had her making did a lot of far too much research into what would go into a potion for strength or, you know, vitality. And so she turns that into a homemade smoothie, but just for space, it didn't happen. If shoulder service ever goes into a different medium, I think that's something I'll be looking into to look in get back in there. Um, and now, she's part of M.I. Six, they have drugs and that to help her with this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was definitely something I wanted to explore because you know you can't just can't have your character just be able to do everything every character whether it's a superhero or a, a wizard or whatever need a re- needs a restraint which is why in classic superheroes green mountain can go up against things that are yellow which is probably the craziest <laughs> restraint in the world but it's there um you know that's why kryptonite exists you know that's that's why um batman does actually have to sleep every now and then um and so you have those you have those ba- those boundaries to make the character feel more real but also to put them in a situation when they're not all powerful um and it's something i think we've been trying to do in star wars as well that it is well for a character like yoda yoda can obviously really control aspects of the force with you know seemingly very little um effort on his part but for what as we've been going into the high republic we've really sort of tried to drill into the idea that it's not always easy to levitate with something in the force it isn't just a case going well there you go it's like you have to because you have to center yourself and you know yeah it has a it can have an effect on your body because you are part of the force and the force is part of your physical nature as well and so we've definitely been exploring with that and i think that's what we saw at the end of last jedi spoilers um you know with what happens to luke you know there's a a cost for doing something of great magnitude because if there isn't you do, you know, you stop relating to that character. If Luke could move a planet with the Force, and it didn't have any effect on him whatsoever, you just go, "Oh, okay, fair enough." um And I think sometimes in the excesses of the EU, I think that's that's what I I struggled with that idea of you know, and I know it's based on Yoda, you know, being able to lift a, a, a um, an X-wing, sorry, when he's tiny himself. Um, but again, Yoda's been practicing for many, 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 many years, and so it's getting though. It's it's making these this journeys that all these characters go on seem a little bit more realistic because let's face it, we all have those moments when we struggle and have to go against anything. So, so yeah, so that was my version in, in Shadow Service of those moments.
1: Mm, It's a very good shout. Yeah, I mean, legend. I love uh, Star Wars. I've got tattoos and everything. Mm. And one of my tattoos is of uh, Starkiller from the Force Unleashed games. Yeah. He's, apart from probably Darth Nihilus, he's like one of the most overpowered characters ever. Oh, yeah. And he's amazing. He's great. I love him. But
0: (laughs) But put him in a story with some people who aren't so powered, and it becomes silly because you have to find so many reasons why he's not doing something. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that's why you know, spoiler alert for a game that's been out for like 15 years. Why mm. he basically has to die at the end of each one because they're just like we yeah. can't have a character this powerful running around. If to have an insular story, he creates havoc in certain ways. He's got yeah. very strong emotional beats, so people do connect with him, and he's trying to find himself, which is a very common theme in Star Wars. But yeah. you can't have him just pop up in like you know a lot of people like clamming from to come back in canon. I was like, he's my favorite character in Legends, but I don't, <laughs> I can't have him in canon. I'd
0: love to see him back in canon, but I, I, what I'd love to see is you deal with that situation. You know, and mm. what the absolute reality of a Jedi or a Dark Jedi, or whoever, who has that much power, mm. and how every other Jedi would cope around them, you yeah. know, and and how the enemies of the Jedi, what it would do. And let's face it again, using superheroes as an analogy. um I do. I love the part of the story we now have in sort of modern superhero stories that Gotham is like Gotham because Batman decided to put a cowl on one day, and so the villains stay. He becomes an arms race, mm-hmm. and that's what would happen in Star Wars—that people will be trying to weaponize their abilities with the Force to combat him, or to prove, or you know, or to keep him under control because it could all go very wrong, very, very quickly. And so, yeah, I'd quite like—I'd like him. I'd love him to be back in canon just because there's a lot of drama there. Especially, you know, where you're going to put him in camera? Because that's the good thing you know, we can play with now. It's like Thrawn appearing before the the original trilogy, rather than afterwards. You know, so depending on where you drop Star Killer, that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the Jedi of the prequels would, would deal with him very differently to say the Emperor, but <laughs> at the same point a period when the prequels are, the Jedi are failing in their connection to the force and then you have a, a jedi that has that much ability it, there's just so many different stories you could tell so yeah. um yes i'd love that
1: i mean i i, I want to clarify if he popped up and anything i think i'd cry but it's yeah. <laughs> one of those things where if they did it right um people always talk about like powering him down it's like but would he still be him
0: um, no no but- see i'd power him up and then see oh. what happened
1: <laughs> just it up to 1000. Mm. Oh man. Well cool. Well that's it. anyone listening then, who's anyone at lucasfilm double checking to <laughs> make sure Cavan's not spoiling anything. Any hint of star killer becoming canon, send it to Cavan. I'm sure you And can as, think-
0: as I say, I know nothing. This is one of those moments where I shouldn't no, even probably fan fan um chat, but um <laughs> these are the things that go through my head. I have to wear the two hats and of a fan and a pro in Star Wars now. And what I've done is I don't mention these things on Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. As I used to go, oh well, this would be fun. And then it would be Star Wars Writer confirms. And you're like, no, I didn't confirm anything. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, or it's obvious Star Wars Writer knows nothing about Star Wars. That's just because <laughs> yeah, I was riffing on a wouldn't it be funny if this? Oh so, yeah, I don't. I don't do that kind of thing very much these days.
1: That's even harder for you because you're such a fan of, you're like clamouring to do like old Republic Sith stuff. And in current Mm. Disney and Lucasfilm stuff, it's like, Right, that doesn't exist yet. It's like everyone's clamoring for it. You know, remaking the High Re- the Knights of the Old Republic games. We're gonna go down there eventually. Let's let's do the High Republic. Then let's go older than that. I presume is where they're gonna go. But for you, it's like I want to talk about these core cool ideas for Sith stuff. But if I do, we're gonna get eighteen articles saying High oh, Republic confirmed. It's like no, no.
0: no, I no. oh god. I, the, the stories that I have. Right, there are two two sides of the scale. I have so many stories of the Sith Empire. So many About how that thing actually works. Because it's you just think that the people who should never have an empire are people that are, you know that, which is obviously what Darth Bane is all about. He's looking at you going, <laughs> you idiots. Let's just <laughs> cut it down to two people and then it works. Um, and then the flip side is I've got ideas sort of post episode nine, but obviously they're just fan theories in my head. Um, as soon as I try and mention it, any kind of conversation it will be like oh this is what they're doing it's like no we're not and no one's gonna you know no one's giving me that the keys to that car uh it's just that they're they're the two scale of where i would like to be working at either you know ancient 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 history the star wars or pushing on beyond episode nine um and so yeah i i it's such a it's it's funny sometimes when you see the the articles (laughs) um you know yeah we confirm stuff left right and center we're always confirming stuff or addressing stuff so i have a constant joke with daniel that you know because he's had a couple of articles you know, high republic author addresses stuff and he's like I, I think his addressing was going i don't know so you know as like so i i've told him to stop to, you know can you address the fact you're addressing things please um and it's fun it's part of it you know it's a privilege as well that people with you know care that much about what you think about silly little things like that you know that you've come up with in your head um but then you do have to be careful because people really believe it <laughs> and half the time people are talking about an article rather than the original comment or the original book you know it's because someone's written an article like, this is what they're saying and you're like no we're not but then it, that becomes what there's a thousand videos ranting about And you go There's nothing in the book that says that, but hey-ho, good. There was something on Screen Rant, brilliant. Um, (laughs) That's the classic for Star
1: Wars fans. It's just like, oh, there's something on Screen screen Rant. Well,
0: you're probably going to have to ignore a lot of it. Yeah, and you know, and that's why, and half that stuff is, you know, it's it's cool fan, it's what you would see in fanzines in the old Mm. days. You know, you would see someone saying, oh, this was in, I remember a great article in, in the fanzine, which was trying to, to prove that Guinan from Next Generation was a time lord, and it was amazing, and it was all from one line in a novel in in one of the one of the novels, and and it was brilliant. And that's the kind of thing I loved seeing in fan fanzines. But now it appears on websites and is treated like news. And I was like, Lucasfilm, I confirm that they're doing this. Paramount has said that Gynon is a time lord. Like, no, no one said that. That person had a very cool idea. Has written it as a article, which now people are taking as fact. Um, And I think it's all become quite blurred between, it was obviously what what a fanzine was in the back in the day and what official source was. Those things are now completely different. And you have an entire generation of fans who've become pros. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult to navigate that as well, because half the time you want to do the fan thing and you want to watch something and then go online and say, oh, what about this? Um, you soon learn that you can't do that because it gets very messy very you, quickly.
1: You have to be very diplomatic. With a lot of your responses. Mm. I've even heard you in other interviews talk about you know certain opinions you have on uh, the prequels or the sequels, which I'm not going to delve mm. into here. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Yeah, you know, I was a prequel generation baby, so I've got a soft mm. spot for them more than most. But it's one of those things where you have to not be just like. Episode one, shit. I mean, I'm not saying you would say that, but you know what mm. I mean. It's that sort of thing. Where if you're in, I probably would at
0: one point in my life, but I think I've, yeah. I've grown to love it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, you can't. I think mean, one of the things I do say online, and I try, I try and maintain this, and people, some people probably don't like this. If I don't like something, I don't usually say it out loud or online because yeah. it's that old thing. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything. And. I will praise stuff I like, um, which probably some people think, oh, he's just shilling or whatever, and all those wonderful phrases that are thrown around willy-nilly online. But actually, it's because I know what it's like to put your heart and soul into a project and then someone to come out and say, oh, it's rubbish because... And as I always say, it's everyone's complete right to say that. As someone who is a pro in this industry, another pro doesn't need me weighing in and say Mm -hmm. it. They don't need my words being thrown back at them um, and I'm not saying that in a way that obviously everyone's just waiting to hear what Kevin Scott has to say on something. But there's a chance that if I slag something else off in Star Wars, it would come against them. It would even be something that I'm not involved with. You know, it, there's there's so much of that happening these days. Um, so I just keep stump and talk about it with my mates in the pub instead. You know, so it's it's just it's tempering how you're what you're saying in what medium. I still moan as much as you can imagine i do about things i don't like um but i just don't do it very publicly mm.
1: that's a good that's a good way to do it i do it the same with music if i love an mm. album i'll tag the artist be like, this is a great album and if a new album yeah. comes out of an artist i like i'm like i'm just not going to mention it i'm not going to tag yeah. them and say it sucks because it's not fair it's just not not everything is for me it's like you said at the start of this conversation yeah, yeah. it's like not everything is for everyone um okay. but with keeping in line with perspective i'm actually quite intrigued um by Obviously, in the High Republic itself, you are, to my knowledge, the of of the main five. In air quotes, you're the only British individual um, of the High Republic. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I thought I was. I was just like, just making sure before I asked this question. It seemed like a fool. Do you think that? You know, Star Wars in itself is it is an American project, but it has so much of its uh, core is in English, in yeah. the sense of an English culture, and also a lot of the actors, especially in the original trilogy, were British, and obviously that's come to light in the other trilogies as well. Mm. So I didn't know if, in your opinion, or from what you've found, like if you think because you're British, um, you bring anything different to the table. And the reason I asked that specifically is because in Shadow Service, one of the things I loved about it was the amount of references. Obviously, you can't reference pop culture in Star Wars, it doesn't really work. Um, right. But, like, the references and Shadow Service, some of the language, like, I really mm. liked, A, that you were so free to be able to swear as much as you want, and obviously you can't in Star Wars. Mm. But even little things, like, when people say bollocks, mm. like, uh, if I see anything, uh, there's a... I won't spoil it, but there's a new Disney Plus show that's out at the moment, and there's a certain character in there who's British, and in that they say bollocks at one point, and it's like, oh my God, it's an American, you know? So if we're talking
0: about the same show, it was one of the best British... Openers. Yeah. Just sort of being for being British and not there are other shows that you watch as a Brit and you're just going, oh no. <laughs> don't do that. Um but yeah, if again, if I'm thinking we're we're talking about the same there's lots of there's lots of shows under the moon at the minute, but if we're think, talking about the same one, um they nailed being British and they did. just the British <laughs> the dialogue, and the dialogue and everything and the past and um, everything. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I, I don't know. I think what I probably my, my colleagues would say: I bring Doctor Who to Star Wars because they have a little, um, they have a little moment when they they wait for me to say. Of course, this is like the Doctor Who story when, um, <laughs> but actually, but I think. That's what we've all brought to it. We've all brought our own culture to it. And so my culture is very much that 1970s, 1980s Doctor Who type worlds we used to live in, um, Blake Seven and things like that, which for me are so wrapped up in Star Wars because when you're a kid growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, you don't keep things between canon lines, you just mix everything up. I mean, it's the you know, it's how you play as a kid with toys, you know, you you spend half your time with Darth Vader fighting Optimus Prime you know as Mm -hmm. as as you should um and so we've all done that so yeah I know I've I've brought in things that I think I talked a lot about my sort of Doctor Who and and Star Wars fandoms because they are pretty much interlinked I've discovered them around the same time um and my fandoms and I think actually the two fandoms have so many similarities both went through periods when there was wilderness years and the books and the comics were the um only thing you had and then they came back for a new generation and the books and the comics were sidelined into a different continuity doctor who deals with it slightly differently because it's you know timey, Wibbly, wobbly, wimey. Timey, Wibbly, yeah and <laughs> and anything can happen and any version of the doctor can exist and history can be changed um And Star Wars obviously had a bit more, it had to be a bit more rigid in that. But I think that has affected my understanding of what canon is, um, because I come from that too. And comics as well, when comics can change every five seconds and Superman can be, you know, there could be a multiverse of Superman. Um, But I think my understanding, why are the reasons I, I think one of the reasons I, this is why I do get some people shouting at me, why I did like the end of The Last Jedi to the moment I, um alluded to earlier on is that luke's behavior in front of kylo ren is the most time lord way of dealing with something or the most doctory way of it. you know it's non-violent it's tricking someone it's using it's using their own anger and their own strength against them which at its heart is what the doctor's been doing for nearly 60 years you know so and so i think a lot of that i have as coming from someone who wrote doctor who for a long time as well i always have to remind myself that you can blow things up in some of the stories or you can have people firing guns because i've spent so much time trying to work with a character who we blow stuff up they blow stuff up regularly but largely they don't fire a gun to solve the problem um you know and so i've had to retrain myself in certain franchises that that's actually the way out of things sometimes um (laughs) And try and find a different way of doing it because I think that's why sometimes interesting when you have when the Brit, sorry, I am going off on the tangent now, the Brit invasion of comics, um, or the Vertigo invasion or all those kind of things. When you start to see people like Grant Morrison writing Superman, it became really interesting because they weren't from a cultural background when superheroes work, <laughs> you know. Um, we our view of a uh, of a superhero and what they should be is very different to an American's version of a superhero. You only have to look at Captain Britain and the original generation of Captain Britain or the original iteration. Then when Anna Moore came in and, and rewrote that character, um, and then everyone who's done something else with Captain, you can tell when a Brit's writing Captain Britain, um, because there is a very British way of thinking that worked through him because it's why we have Judge Dredd, and why Judge Dredd, I think, don't think translates, because Judge Dredd is is a parody. You know, it's supposed to be a parody. It's not supposed to be taken at hundred percent seriously as a character. He's there to tell a to tell a very different story to explore a way of thinking. Um, And so that's why I think that it always seems to work when British people, well, most of the time, works with British people writing superheroes because we do come at it from a different angle. And so, you know, hopefully that's what I bring into Star Wars as well. Um, It's not saying that the other angles are wrong, um, but it's a little, you know, when we've been with the High Republic, when we talked about what does that thing about the Republic mean, all five of us had very different ideas of, you know, whether that's the institution of, of a church and a state, um, it was interesting. We were coming out, you know, we'd had Brexit um, while we were working on it. So my view of this big organisation was perhaps very different to someone who'd been, work, you know, living in the states for their entire life. You know, because I could see the stresses in our real world and how that would play out in in something like the High Republic. Um, so yeah, I think we all bring those things, and hopefully, uh, it's that it's that that moment um, for to sort of to come up with a different idea of how you you you, you would approach something and just lots of mentions of Daleks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where that's one of the beauties of The High Republic is, you know, not mm. only the multifaceted amount of content, both, you know, you've got the audio drama like uh, Tempest Runner, which obviously you're at the helm of. And then you've also got the books and the comics and then, you know, varying ages, which I've read as much as as possible. I've read mm. even the, the junior novels, which I always say are incredible up to the YA and the uh, air mm. quotes adult novels and things. And even the all ages comics, I think, are ace. And I think that, well, The High Republic is quite cleverly is it's meant to be you know the golden age of the jedi and it's Mm. meant to be all these different perspectives one of my favorite elements of it Mm. um, was i think established in light of the jedi which is every jedi sees the force in a different way Mm. and that is one of my favorite ideas i've ever heard because obviously Mm. in the movies you don't really get that and i just think it's a very good symmetry which works so well in its collaborative project that Mm. there's primarily five of you at the helm figuring out where things go i know more people are coming into it as we go through the phases but The fact there's a collaborative effort in a realm of Star Wars where collaboration was, in theory, at its peak, and so I think it's a really, really good way of looking at things that actually works really well with uh, the Star Wars work that you guys are doing at the moment as well.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely, and and now because we're opening it up, so we've got the the new the new founder writers coming in, and I'm no longer the only Brit, George (laughs) um, (laughs) Man, and so. That's going to be interesting as we're we're bringing it is interesting as we're bringing in new voices, you know, because obviously uh, the first phase was largely just the five of us um, working together. And so now we've got new voices coming in with new ideas and that's regenerating um, and re-energizing us. Um, because, again, we it's very easy to go down the same routes. And so we've got new ideas coming in now, and it's making us think, oh, well, hang on a minute, what about this? And so, as I've always said, we've got those points of where the story goes. You know, mm-hmm. that we've got the points on the map, but we've tried to leave enough space that we can take a little we can veer off a bit here. You know, we can change the route. As long as we get to those fixed points in the story, it doesn't matter how we get there, as long as we get there and the story still works. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There have been along that way some changes. I think now it's been you know people now know there is a character who dies in um, Claudia's last novel who originally wasn't going to die, and that's had ramifications for the entire story. But actually, the main points are still have still got to be adhered to for the story to work. But it's made us think from that point on. It was like, well, what difference does that make to the characters? You know, knowing where they've got still got a hit, and how can we make it? Realistic, so it's not plot characters having to do stuff because the plot demands it. Mm-hmm. We have to, we know that we still have to get Ava and Elzar and Keeve and skier and whoever to that point. But how they get there is going to be very different now, you know, or, or it can, might be a little bit different, or whatever. And so, so yeah, that's that's when the collaborative thing is really exciting. When you have those moments, when someone will come up with an idea, and you you have to react but in this case we're all reacting because you do it all the time in licensed fiction um it's usually because a film's happening you have to change the plot or something um <laughs> but with this we've had that moment when we we've, we've had to say okay but we know we've still got to get down there and so the five of us then have had to work out we think that's cool but we know we've got to get there so how do we move again how do we push the tin around to make mm-hmm. sure everything still works
1: yeah, and linking in with that as well, this is a question when I submitted to Disney Lucasfilm. This is the only one I thought was gonna they were gonna come back and say no to, even though it's a really minor thing. I'm just intrigued by obviously you did Monster of Temple Peak, which I think is incredible. Uh, you know, Ty York was one of my favorite characters in The Rising Storm, and when I heard there's a series coming out, oh, I was chomping at the bit for that. But what's interesting is that she's in the air quotes adult novel, but and I know she appears in Race to Crash Point Tower very briefly, um, yeah. but she's mainly in The Rising Storm, and then. Obviously, IDW published Monster of Temple Peak, which is the four part miniseries with her Air origin story. Yeah. So, what I wanted to ask is obviously, and you've been doing the main run of the Marvel run of uh, High Republic mm-hmm. things. How was it different writing an all-ages thing for, all-ages thing, an all-ages miniseries for IDW compared to how you were writing in The Rising Storm? I suspect part of it's because comic is slightly more collaborative and obviously there's the visual element. But I'm intrigued by the differences of Marvel comics to IDW comics, all-ages to story in some ways.
0: Well, I I didn't actually write that for IDW. IDW published it. So that was written for Disney. Um, and right, so in different parts of the world that's published in different ways. And mm. so it, I was working with Disney Milan on that um graphic novel, as it originally was. Um and so it was it was designed as a chapter graphic novel, and, and then IDW published it as a miniseries in the US. Um and so I mean, with all these things, you just have to treat the character slightly differently depending on the age group. So I mean, actually that story was always varying towards more towards a YA-type story. Yeah, it was young, young, older, middle-grade kind of, younger YA, I suppose. That's how it was sold to me, What you know, the area I had to hit, hit with that one. Um, so, you, But you just have to be true. It's like, again, you, to call back to superheroes, you can write a Batman story that's brave and the bold, or you can write a Batman story that's the Batman. You know, you can that character works and he's always Batman but he can be for kids one minute in you know super pets uh, or he can be or teamed up with Scooby Doo and the next he can be doing stuff in sort of for black label dc um which is incredibly adult and dark batman has to be the same throughout you know and yeah, how he reacts to things and the extreme nature of his reactions might you know you can see him you could never see him being as violent as he is in the Batman as, you, as in a br- episode of brave and, and the bold. Mm-hmm. However, he still has to have the same limits of how far he'd go and you still have to believe. And so with Ty, that's how I tried to tackle it really. You know, she still had to feel like Ty. It was a bit earlier on in the timeline as well. So she's not as form- well formed as she is in in the novel um, from a personality point of view, but, um, even though I wrote because I wrote I sort of wrote it similarly around the same time, but I think the novel was finished first, and then I was still writing the the mini series. Um, but yeah, you, it still has to feel like that same character, and of course we do that in everything. So when I write Luke Skywalker in in um, Star Wars Adventures, it still has to feel like the Luke I would write if I was writing a, a an adult novel. So yeah, you. you is seeing things through a lens and you have to remember who's who's watching it and you have to be responsible um but the great thing about this initiative where we have got all these different age groups is that we can tell different kinds of stories but still make them feel that they're, they're cohesive and we know that some people will read them all and some people won't go near something because it's a kid's book and they'll you know think that's they don't mm-hmm. want to read that um and but we've tried our hardest to make sure that it's still felt like the high Republic. It's just the, there's a, you know, a scale, a sliding scale, you know, of, of how, of where it is on an age point of view and how much, you know, how graphic you can be, you know, let's face it, Star Wars, you don't ever get that graphic because mm-hmm. it still has within its boundaries, its own, you know, you, you can never be absolutely gory. I mean, there have been stories in the past that have done it, but it's not something that we're looking at doing now. I think I pushed things in Rising Storm to a point that, you know, there was conversations. And so, and again, in the comic, um, and I like the fact we have that ability, but you can't go too far. You know, you can't go, because then you stop being Star Wars. I think that's the, the biggest thing.
1: Mm, very interesting, and sort of um, as we start to wrap up here, uh, I you know I could probably talk to you forever because you just seem to like almost everything I like. So <laughs> I have to keep this quite concise. Um, but this is an, an open-ended question, and it is intended that way. And it's just what is Star Wars to you? In, in however you interpret that question, whatever answer comes to your mind, just what is Star Wars to you?
0: It's Oh, it's such a hard question because my my mind goes in so many different you can waffle um, as much as you'd like <laughs> different directions It, I suppose at its heart it's that moment of still feeling like a kid and remembering what it's like to be excited and I think there is something when you hear the music especially um, where you get sucked into your favourite scene from whatever your generation of movies or or, or whatever it is when it's that it's letting yourself be a kid and that doesn't mean you have to be an infant you don't have to you can still be a sophisticated adult as far as I ever get to be a sophisticated adult <laughs> but it's that reminder to yourself that it's it's okay to lose yourself and to feel that excitement and to and to want to ha- feel the same way as you did when you were Seven or, or whatever. And just Lucas I said it's for the you know the seven or twelve year old in all of us, and and I think that's very important. And again, you can the lens might be different, but it is heart that adventure and that that feel and and the heart you know the heart in every Star Wars story has to be that sense of what it was like when you first saw that ship chasing you know, the 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 runner at the beginning of the film, or when you first saw. Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting over a lava field, or whatever it is, Um, when you first watched the Ewok cartoon, you know, whatever it was that made you, made you want to be a fan of that. Um, I think that's what Star Wars is. It, It reminds you that you're allowed to still have that in your life.
1: That's a brilliant answer. And I'll say if anyone is unfamiliar with what Kevin in his own sort of origin story was of Star Wars, I've got my comic here, which just evidences there you go, You've got Jackson there and some hoo yeah. So that's yeah. the little being that started Kavanaugh on his on his amazing journey of going from the weird and the wonderful all the way to what you're doing now, which is still weird and wonderful in all the best ways, but now with a yeah. much wider scope of things, uh which I absolutely adore. So um I want to just say, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you want to well, just tell people me. it's it's been a delight? In all honesty, I could, as I said, I could chat to you for ages, <laughs> but uh, you're a busy guy, uh, and I'm I've I've got a life as well, so <laughs> <laughs> tag that on at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. But I'll put in the description, I'll put, obviously, link to your uh, website, and I really uh, encourage everyone to uh, subscribe to your newsletter, because it's excellent. You. you know, you've got your vast history, you've got Doctor Who audio dramas, you've obviously got your stuff with Star Wars, going back to Star Wars Adventures, as well as the stuff of the High Republic as well. Mm. You've got, and Dooku Jedi Lost as well, you love audio dramas. Okay. <laughs> and, and you've got The Ward, and Shadow Service, and Phantom of the Opera, and Pacific Rim, and Titans. Like, I could probably always do on a whole hour-long podcast, just reeling different <laughs> <laughs> IPs and things, which you've been involved with but from your own mouth what are the sort of final things that you want to tell the audience uh, before we wrap this up
0: oh um, tell it well yeah go basically if you want to know what i do um just just have my, my to-do list is the same when i was 10 and i want it to be like that forever um no matter what i'm writing and Pretty much that's what my website is. It's you know, it's me just going, This is what I've always loved, and this is where I am. Um, so yeah, come along to my website, camascott.com, see what I'm doing. Find me on Twitter, I am far too much, and just talk to me about stuff because that's the bit I love, you know, that's the bit I've missed at conventions, you know, over the last couple of years. And I'm so excited that we've got conventions back in different forms. Um, because at the end of the day, whether it's new material or whether it's working for a franchise, I love fandom and I love being a fan and I love what that means to people. So um yeah come and chat to me and I will always chat far too long about far too many obscure things. Um but yeah that's 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 who I am.
1: And I will second that because one of uh the things I loved most about you when I started following you on Twitter is now, for any listeners, don't suddenly rush Kevin Scott's Twitter, but he does actually respond a, quite a decent amount of the time for someone who's as busy as you are. You do manage to actually respond to fans quite a lot, even if it's just a thank you or a like or retweet or whatever. And so, mm. as someone who I, I can't remember how long ago it was, a year plus ago, but I, re- I I commented something to you at some point. You're saying you're awesome or whatever, and you responded, Naza. Oh, that's, you know, you're so busy, you don't expect a response from uh, mm. someone who's so busy. So I want to say thank you for the positivity that you spread on social media as well. Because I think, especially in the Star Wars fandom, although for the most part, I think Star Wars fandom is amazing and huge amounts of benefit to it. There are those darker corners, but I think people such as yourself really help shine a light, you know, nose to the uh, for light and for life thing in the High Republic, mm. but you really do shine a light on the oh. the world positives. Thank you, and
0: you know, and that's exactly what I want it to be. You know, I don't. I have no interest in flame wars. I have no interest in in people coming and and I say this regularly. You know, come in and have a pop at me by all your means. Just don't expect a response because it's too life's too short for all of us. Both sides of that <laughs> conversation. Um, talk to me about what I love. You know, you can come in being the most. You can hate the High Republic as much as you, you want, but if you want to talk to me about. A really obscure issue of the marvel run from 1978 and nine absolutely i'll respond um and i'm far more interested in what you like than what you hate i mean that's not to dismiss the fact that you you know someone doesn't like something i've written written and you know and we you have to be tough-skinned to be this job some days you're more tough-skinned than others and you have to know how to take criticism however at the same point um yeah, I'd much rather talk about... I, there's so many people that come and every now and then drop flaming garbage trucks at my posts and things. I'm like, I'd love to know what you like about Star Wars. Mm. Just tell me what you like. You know, I I know very, very well what you don't like. That is obvious. <laughs> um, but I can guarantee we have more in common than you think we do. Um, because every fan of something does. And I don't think you even have to have something in common of a, you know, I have no, you know, there are certain fandoms I know nothing about. I'm not a Stargate fan. I've watched about two episodes of the show. It's not that I don't like it, it's just there is only so many hours of the day. I bet you we've got, I've got loads in common with a Stargate fan because we know what it's like to be a fan of something. And I think that's what we've missed on social media so much recently when it's become so, well, everything in life's become polarized and you've forgotten that, you know, You can talk to people who don't believe the same thing as yours. And it doesn't have to be a row. You know, it's um, it can actually you can actually get something out of the conversation um, if you want to put it in. And that's the thing. Usually in those conversations, I do want to put the time in because I believe in being a fan and I believe in the importance of fans talking to each other because that's why we do this. That's why we get involved beyond watching a film or reading a book going out and meeting other people who also love those things that's why we go to conventions that's why we go online that's why we were fanzines that's why we join community you know join forums um and i love that stuff um but yeah the other stuff that's fine you can have your row over there but i'm not going to get involved in that
1: <laughs> that's perfect you are Definitely. a true gentleman, sir, and I appreciate you, you greatly. And also, I will say before I uh, press for a stop recording, is that I noticed in a lot of the conversation you mentioned something about imposter syndrome. We all get it in some ways, and I'm mm. British as well. So I get it sometimes as well, just doing this yeah. and speaking to people like yourself. But I know it may not mean a lot from me, but I can promise you from all the stuff I've read and all the content I've consumed, you are in no way an imposter. <laughs> you are a... Poster? Is that? I don't, you should be well, where you are. That's,
0: and, that should be the way it works, isn't it? If you're an, impo- if you're an imposter, you, the opposite's a poster. There's, yes. lo- there's loads of stuff like that. Yeah, but thank you. I appreciate that. No problem at all. all.
1: Well, this is where we'll stop recording. So just thank you again. And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, my friends. I wouldn't have been able to have Kevin Scott on the show if it wasn't for all of your incredible support. So thank you so much for that. I really hope that this was worth it and that you enjoyed the conversation with Kevin. And please make sure on social media, spread the word, tag both at Genuine Chit Chat, as well as Kevin Scott, who's just at Kevin Scott, Please tag on like Twitter and things. Tell everyone that you're listening to this. Make sure that people are aware so more people can listen to my conversation with Kevin Scott, but also so Kevin Scott is aware of how many people listen. As I know, he'd really appreciate it, but obviously I would appreciate it a huge, huge amount. And I said it in the intro, but just as a reminder, if you haven't checked out episodes 110 and 143 of Genuine Chit Chat, make sure you check those out. 110 was with Claudia Gray, fellow High Republic author, and 143 was with Paolo Villanelli, who is a comic book artist who has worked on quite a few Star Wars titles, including Vader Dark Visions, but primarily the Bounty Hunters comic run, which I have tackled on the Star Wars Comics and Canon show too and if you're listening to this and you haven't gone over and subscribed to the YouTube channel of Genuine Chit Chat please go out and do that you can watch the video version of this conversation and then everything else is in playlists so you can listen to all the conversations that are Star Wars related including the ones with Claudia Gray and Paolo Villanelli also with people who aren't necessarily related to Star Wars but other people who like talking about Star Wars Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars Wars, is basically what I'm saying and in addition to those you can also find episodes of my other show Star Wars Comics in Canon on my YouTube channel you can also find those on the podcast feed of Comics in Canon in motion. So if you listen to this on a podcast app, just go over to Comics in Motion, and every Saturday I release a new episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon on there. And in short, what I do on there is I go through each of the canon Star Wars comics, either the collections like trade paperbacks or story arcs, or just a collection of comics that work well together as one shots and things, and I talk about them. I go through all of the plot details so you don't have to have specifically read the comic to enjoy the episodes I do because I go through the plot details and I speak about the connections. So if there's a species or a planet or a recurring character, that pops up I'll then pause me going through the plot give some information about those and where you may have seen them prior and then I continue on with the story so it's a really good way to get into Star Wars comics you don't have to have picked up a single Star Wars comic before you can either use these episodes as refreshers a lot of people I know like to read them and then listen to my podcast about it to refresh their memories to see if there's anything they missed and then to also get bonus information almost like an unabridged extended version of the comic, so you know all these little connections to other stuff or other people just listen to it instead of picking up the comics and things because there are a lot of Star Wars comics and people don't have all the time or the money to be able to consume them all. So it's a really good way for you to get into both of those things and also I drop book reviews on there as well including all book reviews of the High Republic books as well and I go through them spoiler free to begin with and then I gradually give warnings and then give more and more plot details and then right at the end I give broad strokes of the plot. So also if you are reading through High Republic content and you don't have the time to read through every single book then you can listen to my book reviews for a general idea of their quality, some of the themes and then also the broad strokes of the plot as well. So yeah, please check out Star Wars Comics in Canon. It's on the YouTube channel or it's on the feed of Comics in Motion. In addition to that, my friends, you can also check out the show notes, as you always should, because I leave loads of information in the show notes. I give information on some of the guest spots I've been involved with, including with my friend Ben of Star Wars Timeline, so I've had loads of Star Wars conversations with him over there, so make sure you check those out as well. I've done other guest spots, and there's more to come, so it's always just good to keep an eye on the show notes. I do try and mention them in the outros as well uh, when I've been on a few. In addition to that, please make sure you support the show in any way you can. Obviously, you're listening, which I hugely, hugely appreciate. You can also share on social media, as I also requested of you slightly earlier you can obviously follow me on the usual social media places at Genuine Chit Chat you can also then leave a rating on Spotify if you listen on Spotify obviously 5 star is preferred you can also leave reviews on places like Good Pods or Apple Podcasts places like that and they hugely hugely help the show get more exposure and then in addition to that another big way you can really help the show out is by supporting me on Patreon patreon.com slash Genuine Chit Chat if you become a Patreon supporter you get access to an audio exclusive feed You get it no matter what tier you join at. So you can join at the absolute lowest tier, which is £1 a month. And for that, you get access to the audio exclusive feed. You can listen on the browser version of Patreon or on the Patreon app. Or you can copy the link when you sign up. And then you can put that into any podcast player you choose. And then you get access to the genuine Chit Chat exclusive feed. So on that, you get early access to certain episodes. You also get exclusive things on there, including at least one episode of Afterthoughts every single week. That's where either I do a solo episode where I review a book... uh, Uh, normally Star Wars books, um, which aren't released anywhere else. Or I review comics. I've done a couple of Batman comics as well recently. And then in addition to that, there's mine and Megan's Afterthought show, which is the main thing, which is we'd go through movies or TV series or even live shows. We did one on Book of Mormon and another on Les Miserables recently. And it's basically just our thoughts on whatever it is. Some of them are spoiler free, some of them are not. We normally give warnings at the start whether or not they are. Generally speaking, if it's something new, it'll try and be spoiler free. And if it's something older, it won't be. Um, But they can be anything between 10 minutes and half an hour long and there's a wide variety of things we've done all the spider-man movies and the mcu and harry potter and star wars but we've also done films that are just in themselves we've done things like little miss sunshine we've also done the duke we've done things like that so it's a nice wide variety it's a great way to support the show you get to hear how me and megan are generally when we're outside of doing you know guest podcasts for other places and things and yeah it's it's just a really good way to support the show and you get loads of bonus content where you're at it and the more people who can support me on patreon the the more time I can invest in Patreon stuff and non-Patreon stuff, and it means more time I can invest in trying to get guests like Kevin Scott. Because let me tell you, it's not easy getting a guest like Kevin Scott. It's a really good fun, and I'm so glad I did it. But it takes a long time of contacting certain reps at Disney and then getting the right assistants and etc. etc. et, cetera, et cetera. So if you want to hear even better guests on Genuine Chit Chat, then please support the show on Patreon via reviews and by sharing on social media as it means the absolute world to me. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, my friends. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to the end. And then what have we got coming up next week? It's probably going to be an episode that is going to come off my Patreon just because I'm going off on holiday for a week and I do not have time to release an episode next Sunday. So it's probably going to be something that was on Patreon. But fear not, any Patreon listeners, because you will get an additional afterthoughts as you always do. Whenever I release something on this main feed that's already been on Patreon, Patreon supporters already get something extra anyway. So there's no reason not to support the show. And once I get back from holiday, I will have a podcast ready to go. I have had a fantastic conversation with Alison Shelton, who is creating a comic called Reburn. Two issues of that are already out, and the third and fourth issues Kickstarters are up as well. Please consider checking those out. I'll put a link in the description to the Kickstarter. The first comic I read was absolutely brilliant, and the conversation I had with Alison was amazing. So, you know, get excited for that. Follow her on social media, and go and support Reburn's Kickstarter, because I know that'll mean a great deal to Alison. Anyway, thank you as always, my friend. I appreciate you all. And I'll speak to you next week and the week after.
0: You have just experienced host, creator, everything elseer of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.